broadcasting from Wisconsin, the show ski capital of the world. This is The Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast. Hear interviews with the legends and stars of our sport, gain knowledge and insight about all things show skiing, and just maybe they'll pleasure your ear holes along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Heilman and Adam Schaller. Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of The Ski Show. Our episode today is sponsored by The Board Shop. Visit bswake.com and get all your summer gear. Use the discount code The Ski Show and get 20% off your entire order. That's bswake.com. We've got some timely information today and a great discussion. We've got Adam Schaller uh, once again as co host. And we've got a special guest today, Mr. David Raisin. Dave, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Great, good. great. Uh, Dave, I know that we can see each other. This is a video chat, but only records audio, so you did not have to do your hair for this. But nonetheless, you look good. <laughs> I'll always try to make a good first impression, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, gentlemen, uh, we're going to dive into a, a great discussion today based on uh, the announcement from USA Water Ski and Wake Sports. They've published their uh, return to play guidelines for water skiing to get us back on the water. And these guidelines are for all sport disciplines, uh, including three event, barefoot, wakeboard, hydrofoil, show, and including show skiing. Uh, so here is what you need to know in a nutshell for our audience. Uh, USA Water Ski is going to sanction events beginning May 18th, and that includes shows, practices, tournaments, uh, with the caveat that as long as you follow your local and state government guidelines as it relates to COVID-19. So we're going to go ahead and and go through some of the uh, formal announcement from USA Water Ski. We're going to read some of that to you, but really we want to have a discussion around it and what it means for show skiing. They're going to sanction events uh, beginning next week, uh, practices and shows, uh, as long as you're following your state and local guidelines as it relates to social distancing, group size, uh, and any other guidelines regarding COVID-19. So uh, one paragraph I do want to read here quickly out of the Return to Play guidelines from uh, USA Waterski says, beginning on May 18, 2020, USA Waterski and Wake Sports will resume sanctioned activity for practices, exhibitions, basic skills, clinics, and tournaments. It is the responsibility of each club and or LOC to abide by all public health authorities and local and state government guidelines when determining to host an event in their respective geographic area. So, gentlemen, what are your uh, initial reactions to the USA Water Ski return to play game plan? Well, you know, Matt, I think that, you know, there was a lot there that, that, that we need to unpack. Number one, you know, I think it's real interesting to just take a breath and to take a look at where we are today. And as we sit today, as we're doing this podcast, really there's been no return to sport whatsoever throughout the entire United States. You know, uh, football, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college football, the list goes on and on and on. 
I think it's important to understand that we're not the only ones here struggling to figure out when is the right time to go ahead and get back on the water. And, you know, based on what just came out from USA Water Ski, is they are 100% deferring to everyone's state guidelines and parameters. And so everyone who participates, um, you know, in show skiing and is under the umbrella of the NSSA needs to follow what their particular state is offering, uh, what they are stating in terms of parameters and guidelines so that they know when they can get back on the water and, and, and what's allowed and what's not. All right. So let's, I mean, let's take Wisconsin, for example. I mean, three of us are from Wisconsin. Uh, our governor has a, what's called the Badger bounce back plan, which is different phases of how we begin to reopen the state. And we're not even to the phase where we can allow group gatherings of 10. That would be one phase. And then the next phase beyond that would be a group gathering of 50. How does that, I mean, Considering that for Wisconsin, you know, how, how does that look for show skiing? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a, the million dollar question. Probably what all show skiers want to know and what teams are going to have to digest. Uh, a lot of those answers are going to be in the documents that were um, put out by the USA Water Ski and the NSSA. There's the uh, return to play guidelines as well as the uh, frequently asked questions, both from USA Water Ski and the NSSA pertaining to show skiing. Um, and those frequently asked questions really break down a lot of that. But, you know, to your point, if we take Wisconsin as an example and what that looks like, that's how we're going to have to sort of govern what we're able to do as a sport. So right now we are still at shelter in place. And uh, so you can only ski with those that are in your home that you are sheltered in place with. It's not until that's lifted and then we get to groups of 10 that we can start moving beyond those phases. And then that'll start to look differently. And I know Dave, you've been dealing with, you know, these guidelines at, at work like crazy. Um, you want to speak to those phases a little bit and kind of what that might look like for show skiing moving forward from its infancy? Yeah. I mean, Matt, I think the, the, the easiest thing to do is, is to, to make it as simple as possible. And when it comes to state guidelines and, and us, uh, as show skiers getting back on the water, I think it boils down to ultimately three things. And it boils down to, you know, shelter in place or safer at home, whichever your state coins it, it that being lifted. Um, it boils down to the group gathering size, what your, what your, how many, um, Participants you're allowed to have in any one setting at, at, at any one time. And then social distancing parameters, you know, um, when do, when does social distancing ultimately cease to exist? When do we not need to be within, uh, six feet of one another? Um, and so I think when, when you take a look at those three things and then go through some of the scenarios that, uh, we put pen to paper on and, and some of the examples, um, you can kind of see uh, where or when, based on your state, you're able to get back on the water and get back to doing a sanctioned event. Now, sanctioned events, Matt, let's just talk about that. What is a sanctioned event? Sanctioned event is a practice, is a show, is a tournament. So when we use the term sanctioned events throughout our conversation here tonight, 
we're ultimately talking about any one of those three things, correct? Correct. And and so and and because we need our all of our events to be sanctioned by our governing body, so that our USA Water Ski Insurance we are covered. Um, in case of of injury, we have liability coverage. Um, so w- those are sanctioned events. And so for us, sanctioned events right now are going to look really simple. So let's let's say shelter in place is lifted, and we're at groups of ten. What does that look like? Well, a, a team could have a practice with. 10 total people there and they have to still me if, if social distancing is still a requirement, but you can have a group of 10, you could have 10 people on site that all maintain social distancing and one skier at a time could go off the dock. And now for show skiing where, where it gets, where it's unique from other disciplines is that we have a lot of contact and we have pyramids and doubles and those sorts of things. And uh, those are not going to be allowed as long as social distancing guidelines are still required. So in the, in the first phase example where you can have a group of 10, uh, USA Water Ski will sanction an event, but it needs to be individual in nature. Everybody's got to maintain social distancing, uh, and it's got to be one at a time. Uh, and it's really also recommended that you use your own equipment and you're not sharing equipment. So um, that would be the real basic level right now, Adam, kind of to your point of, of what that looks like uh, for show skiers. Well, it doesn't really sound like show skiing. It sounds like 10 people water skiing. I mean, you know, one at a time. So I, yeah, I, I th- and I, th- I think that's it. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a transition uh, for some of us. It's going to be slower uh, depending on the state that you're in. For others, um, you know, I know that there's other states, uh, you know, traditionally red states um, throughout the, the country that, you know, they're opening up in a, in a more expedient fashion right now, which, you know, in, in all honesty and what, by the way that it looks, they're going to potentially be able to have group gatherings that are in excess of 10 people or 50 people or 200 people, depending on the state. They're going to be able to go ahead and get back to their what would be considered a routine team sanctioned event, a practice, a show, or a tournament faster than other um, teams that are in more blue states. And to your point, Adam, you know, it doesn't look like show skiing. Are we going to be able to have audiences, uh, you know, and, and again, that's going to be determined by the state guidelines. But if we're only at, let's say in Wisconsin, we get to the next phase and we're at a group of 50, uh, you're not going to have an audience and a team. There's, there's no room for that in the same park, the same location. So it'll be team only, no fans. Um, and in Wisconsin, for instance, the, the second phase is uh, groups of 50 are allowed, but social distancing is still recommended. So we could still continue individual type stuff, but with a larger group of people, but we're not going to be performing shows for an audience most likely in that case. And we're going to be continuing to limit your group size um, and then juggling that. Dave, just to your point quick, you know, you talk about in different States having different guidelines where, you know, perhaps they get to 50 quicker than we do or to, to 200, but if they still require social distancing, that's still, you know, that, has a big impact on, you know, what we consider show skiing. You can have 200 people, but you, you know, if they have to be six feet apart, you're not doing conventionals, you're not doing pyramids, you're really 
not doing a whole lot in terms of show skiing. So I don't know, a lot up in the air. No, I I would agree with that. It's gonna it's gonna look different. You know, I one thing though, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because any way that we're able to get on the water is a good thing. Um, is it as good as you know having all of us together? And when I say us. Um, your entire team together and practicing as if it was 2019. You know, no, it, it, it may not look that way, but, you know, take for example, the, um, if shelter in place or safer at home is lifted within your, within your state, which again, many states that has already been lifted or it's on the horizon for, for some of us coming up here at the end of May. And the group, the group gathering size has got to be 10 people or less. Well, what can you still do? Um, and there is, there, there, there's things that you can still say that will still be sanctioned and that will still be allowed, you know, uh, where six feet of social distancing can be maintained. You can have a swivel practice. You can have jump practice. You can do barefoot practice, um, around the boat, hydrofoil, wakeboard, trick ski, et cetera. Now, can you go ahead and put a line of barefooters out there? Maybe not. Probably not. Um, you know, can you go ahead and can you do pyramid and, and, and strap doubles and, and, and so on? No. Um, but you are able to at least get on the water. And that's, again, I think that that's got to be our focus is that it's the first step. It allows us to, you know, albeit uh, in a smaller version, only 10 people, it does allow a core group of people to get together each night. Um, and it allows us to, again, uh, get back to doing what it is that we, we do. It also, theoretically, Matt, it allows for individual acts competition albeit on a gradual or minimal scale to start, because you could have a swivel tournament with 10 people um, and a freestyle jump tournament with 10 people. Um, so theoretically, individual acts competition could start um, with shelter in place or safer at home listed and a group gathering size of 10 people or less. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about getting getting creative, ways that we can get creative with our sport could be just like that. Let's say we're at groups of 10 and we do swivel only while well, you you have different time periods where the swivelers can show up on site. Maybe the judging is done virtually so that you you limit the number of people that are actually on site. And you could do freestyle jump and you could do swivel individual acts. If you get to 50 people, that becomes even a little more feasible. So you could have 20 swivel competitors uh, on site and you could have judges and you could still be under your group of 50. Um, the, it would be on the, on the host club to limit the, the crowd size and not allow for that group to get any larger and, and really prohibit who's allowed to be there. Uh, you know, whether immediate family member can join a, a, a skier or not. Uh, but there's certainly ways that we can have some show skiing this summer and even have competitions and, and who knows what, what it looks like. I mean, nationals, is scheduled 90 days from now. And that's a long time. That's three months. Um, and a lot can change. A lot has changed in the last 90 days. Imagine what's going to happen in the next 90 days. And, and, uh, so I think, I think you're exactly right. I think there's definitely a potential silver lining here. I think we can get on the water and do some things. I think we can get creative as a sport, um, and, and have some show skiing this summer. Well, yeah. Let me ask the question. So nationals is still on the schedule. Great. But I would imagine, you know, with our team, uh, most teams are probably pretty much, they press the pause button, right? I mean, not moving forward with much of anything because you're just afraid to commit capital to a season that 
may not happen. You know, so so if there's teams out there that depend a lot on um, donations from shows throughout the summer, that may not be there. So it's, you know, at what point does a team kind of look at and say, well, okay, we can have practices where there's swivel and jump and 10 people, you know, we want to be able to provide that for our, for our team members. But, you know, if you, if you have outboard boats that aren't rigged and you need to put new motors on it, do you commit to doing that for a season that may only be practices? I mean, so I think I'm kind of looking at it from a financial standpoint is, yeah, there, nationals is still scheduled, but holy smokes, is there going to be, number one, a state competition? And number two, if there is, are we going to be ready for it? I mean, and then, you know, so I, I, I just, I'm looking at it. I'm not trying to be a glass, glasses half empty kind of guy, but just looking at it from the standpoint of, there's just not, not a lot of preparation has taken place, um, you know, from Mad City's end, and for good reason, uh, you know what? How much? How much are teams willing to commit to kind of getting this going for a season that could be basically kind of a practice only, right? Yeah, I mean, those are those are the tough conversations, right? Um, because uh, you know, I, I whether you're RAJ or Mad City or. Uh, the plum skiers or, or whomever, most likely you um, rely on those uh, that audience and those spectators uh, and those donations to put gas in the, in, in the boat and to make things happen. And so um, at, at that point, you know, I think all these clubs um, throughout the nation have, are, have, you know, some tough conversations that are going to need to occur. They're going to have to take a look at their state. And what they, you know, foresee or foreshadow as, as um, you know, their state opening up in terms of their uh, local government, what they're going to do in terms of gathering size and so on. And, and you know, the answer to that question may be, I don't know. And if you don't know, then it's hard to put forth those, those resources and those dollars and, you know, everything, as you mentioned, you know, from motors to gas to insurance um so on and so forth and, it, and it's tough to to sell a club member or a team member on joining the team if they don't know if there's going to be a, a truly a a full season full of tournaments and shows and audiences and events and um i think that that's the that, that's the ultimate question is when are we going to get back there and i don't know if anyone has the answer and that's really the the catch 22 there too is if we're being really honest, like one of the things I um, talked to our team about mad city and, and actually we've talked about it on the USA water ski and NSSA level is if we close things down um, memberships go down exponentially. And then the next year, those memberships don't fully rebound. So if we think about from an NSSA level, if if teams just don't get back on the water, nobody's joining USA Water Ski this year. And the next year, a large percentage of those may not come back. Maybe their kids found another activity. Maybe they forget how much they like ski team, whatever that is. And on the individual club level, um, you know, that's a conversation that people have to consider is, if we shut it down and that's, there's no right or wrong, uh, though 
uh, a, a neighboring club or other sports activities do open up, you could lose members. Uh, and then those members may not all return next year. So um, I think if there's a way for teams to get creative and um, change the the goalposts in terms of their their goals for the year and and their motivation and can get on the water, uh, that can be a long-term positive for their club uh, because they'll be able to maintain some membership rolling into next year when things get get back to normal. I'd hate to see for clubs to shrink, shut it down this year, and then shrink in membership size because people have all left to go do other things. And so I, I think that is something that people have to consider. I mean, I would think that um, membership as a whole – uh, if you kind of look at the two groups of show skiers, I'm kind of putting people into categories here. But if you look at, you've got the you've got the the skiers on the team that go to every single practice, right? You, they they when it's open ski, they're there. When it's team practice, they're there. Shows are there. Um, and then you've got the ones that are just kind of they'll be there for the mandatory practices and they'll be there for shows. You might you know for in terms of members paying dues you could very well lose those skiers that are kind of there for the mandatory team practices and the shows. But, uh, you know, you still have the ones that want to ski. And if teams are able to open it up to allow for a practice to have a boat on the water, man, I mean, what a great opportunity for those skiers to get really good at something, uh, you know, over the course of the next three months. I mean, just time in the water on your own that you wouldn't normally have, operating under a full season where you've got pyramid practice and big act practice and, you know, but it's, if it's just you behind the boat, I mean, what a, just what a, you know, silver lining for, for skiers like that. Yeah. I think that, you know, USA water ski has taken the right take on this and, and I, I applaud them for that actually. And they're saying, Hey, listen, as Matt pointed out right away at the beginning, come May 18th, next Monday, we are going to sanction everything. So ordinarily speaking, at the beginning of the season, any club has to submit to USA Water Ski all these sanctioned events, again, practices, shows, tournaments, get-togethers, and so on, that they are going to be going ahead and conducting throughout the calendar year. And they go ahead and they submit that. And what USA Water Ski is saying is we are going to sanction each and every one of those events. They're not going to be an obstacle in the way of us getting back on the water they're promoting they want to do everything that they can do to make that happen but of course usa water ski does not have oversight over state and local government guidelines and that's where they're saying you've got to follow state and local government guidelines and your shelter in place and your group gathering size and your social distancing in order to get um to get back on the water um so yeah i i, I think that the other thing is that if and this is strictly my opinion, but if clubs or teams go into this year saying, hey, we're not going to change anything, we're not going to do anything, we're just going to wait, I think that that could be a detriment to the team. And again, just my opinion. I think that you got to look outside the box at this point in time. You know, if you've got a dues structure, you may have to look at, you know, tweaking your budget a little bit. You may have to look at completely doing something different and doing a, a pay-to-play program. Maybe uh, until things open up enough where you can have larger team practices at a minimum. Um, you know, you tell your, your, your team members, you have to go ahead and you have to, uh, obviously, uh, sign up for USA water ski. Um, but you know, 
until we have a better idea of where we are going to be this summer and what we're going to be participating in. Um, you know what? Every night it's $5. It's $10 to go ahead and, and to come on down and take a run, which covers the gas money. So it serves both things. It, it allows the clubs to go ahead and to get the members coming back in, um, but at the same time, not going ahead and bringing those costs up above an uncomfortable level that they feel that, you know what, if, if, if membership's not there, we're going to have a hard time. And if the spectators and audiences aren't there, we're going to have a hard time covering. That makes sense. It does. And that's, you know, we're a uh, mad city's discussing the same thing. I'm sure RAJ is. And, and it's that it's the pay to play, you know, maybe you pay per night um, up until what your regular dues would be. Then it would cap at that. Um, but uh, you don't charge everyone on the team their full dues for uh, kind of a wonky summer. Um, you get creative and you, and you, and, and the other thing is teams really need to be ready and prepared to pivot because this thing changes all the time. The, the outlook, the data, uh, what we know um, changes by the minute. And so teams need to be, to be ready. They have to be um, somewhat flexible and, and nimble um, and ready to adjust uh, given the, the circumstances of their state. They need to stay abreast of COVID guidelines, CDC guidelines, stay up to speed on what their governor and uh, is doing in terms of, of orders and, and social distancing, uh, and then be ready to pivot, be ready to be ready to go. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of opportunity this summer for people. And um, we also want to be a sport where you don't have to uh, own a boat to, to go do it. You know, then it becomes the haves and the have nots. And if water ski clubs can give people the opportunity to get on the water and learn things, uh, this can be a great summer for learning individual skills, you know, and and bettering that aspect of our sport. Um, and so it's it's going to be an interesting summer for sure. Well, let me let me throw this out there, Dave. You had talked about you know different states having different requirements. Uh, Wisconsin probably being one of the more stringent states, I would imagine, in terms of what the current guidelines are and what the guidelines are for reopening. Are there neighboring states or states in the Midwest that are more lax? You know, I can I can speak for Illinois uh, because um, I live in Janesville. I work in Rockford, and I can tell you that uh, Illinois is um, maybe the right ad- adjective is stringent. They're just as stringent, if not slightly more, uh, than Wisconsin at this time. When it comes to Florida. Um, Governor Governor Del Santo down in Florida, um, as many people are aware, he's he's opened up beaches and uh, I believe um, retail stores and 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 restaurants are, are are getting back to allowing people. I think that there's certain parameters around that, from my understanding. But that's where I was saying before. Most likely, you know, when you take a look at the Florida teams, as well as a potential for a regional occurring, I think that they're the opportunity for them to participate at some level is probably better at this point in time than, for example, maybe the Wisconsin region or the Midwest, Mid- Midwest region, or excuse me, Central region. Um, so yeah, I, it all boils down to that 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 state by state guideline. With that being said, you know, gosh, you know, timing is everything too, right? So Florida's regional is coming up here in June already. So they don't have a lot of time 
um, to practice, prepare, get people back on the water, get their skiing legs. Not to mention, you know, where again does the state fall in terms of letting their group size um, accommodate for some sort of regional tournament? And in the North and in the Midwest, you know, um, as of now, regional and national tournaments are still on as scheduled. Uh, obviously, that could change um, and may change given the circumstances. Uh, but nationals is scheduled to be in Rockford, and the Ski Bronx are hosting this year. Um, and at some point, a decision will have to be made about whether that's feasible in Illinois or not, given uh, what the landscape looks like. And again, it's it's state by state, and and that's why you know to Dave's point, why USA Water Ski I think is is making a great move here is is every state has different guidelines and they want to be supportive of our sport opening up as much as possible, but it's really based on what your, your current state guidelines are. Um, so it's hard to predict what tournament season is going to look like and if it'll, if it'll be there or not. Um, I think a lot's going to change over the next uh, probably 30 days. Uh, we get past Memorial day um, a couple weeks and see if we've had a, a spike as people get outdoors and, and shelters and places are lifted and uh, people are um, in some, some areas even defying their, their orders. Um, We'll see if we start to see a spike in cases or if things continue to loosen up and, and things change. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity still out there for show skiing this summer. Absolutely. You know, and and when it comes to the regional tournaments, because we haven't, you know, really spent as much time on, on, on that topic. We need to be very clear. At this time, regional tournaments are still on as scheduled. I don't think anybody has heard any different in regards to any regional tournament at this point. But each region individually will be responsible for determining whether that will change or not based on, again, the state and local government guidelines for that state in which the region is being held, as well as obviously, you know, uh, the tournament hosts. And if it is you know, financially viable, if there's risk involved, whatever. Um, so again, all regional tournaments, to my knowledge, uh, there hasn't been any cancellations at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Wisconsin being the largest region, obviously that is the largest tournament with the biggest draw in terms of team and probably audience. And, uh, the Wisconsin region is what three weeks before nationals. So you know, if there's any tournament that has a chance of still happening, it would likely be nationals because that's the latest in the season. But what what does the nationals look like if there's no regionals prior to the national tournament? Well, I mean, hypothetically, how do you how do you deal with that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, every region. Um, gets to determine who they send to nationals. Uh, they just happen to every year have their own competition to determine who goes to nationals. But in, in lieu of a competition, let's say there's no Wisconsin state and there's no central regional, uh, but there's still a nationals because like you said, it is in August. Um, those regions would be able to decide who, who attends and represents the region at that nationals. And so I'm not sure how that would shake out. Uh, might be availability or interest <laughs> might be the primary, yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, way of figuring it out. It might be last year's placement at participation or placement at nationals or, or last year's placement at regionals. And they, they go through that. Um, 
I don't know. It, it would be interesting if, if regionals didn't happen, but nationals still did uh, just because it's a later date. Um, it would make for some interesting, uh, uh, interesting decisions to be, to be had. Yeah. And I would imagine, I mean, there might be teams that, you know, simply would decline not to go. I mean, cause there's, we haven't talked about the people that, you know, we're just kind of assuming that everybody would, you know, pay dues and go to practice cause that's what they want to do. But I would imagine there's, uh, people out there that don't feel comfortable going to even, even if the state's going to allow it, I don't want my kids to go down to practice, um, you know, with 10 people or 50 people. So, I mean, there's going to be that contingent, right? So I, I think generally teams are just going to be probably smaller this year. But again, that goes back to uh, if, if, if teams can do it and they can put boats on the water and provide the opportunity to water ski. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is water skiing and what a great summer for that. You know, one thing that we haven't touched on that we probably should a little bit here and just coming from the healthcare background, like I do is, you know, there are safety precautions that uh, probably they need to be a discussion amongst clubs and amongst teams. Um, if you take a look at our FAQs, um, w- we bring up the fact that the, one of the questions is, does USA Water Ski have any recommendations for safety precautions at sanctioned events such as practices and shows? And, you know, we talked about this on the NSSA, and, and, and we feel that um, teams um, should consider temperature testing their membership, participating in sanctioned events until social distancing guidelines are, are lifted by your given state. Because if they're lifted, um, then obviously the, the, the threat or the relevance of, the, of COVID has gotten to the point where it's, it, it's you know, theoretically greatly diminished. So, you know, upon a member of your team attending uh, an event like a practice, a show, or tournament for the first time, you know, maybe you should take a look at your team, have the discussion. There's a member of your team down at the site, whether it be a group size of 10, whether it be a group size of 50, whether it be a group size of 200, um, taking a temperature reading for each participant with a touchless thermometer. And if a member has a temperature of more than 100.4 degrees per the WHO and per the CDC, and they answer yes to any of those uh, questions that we've all been asked, you know, when we go to uh, the doctor, um, if you have gone to the doctor over the course of the last five or six weeks, or um, to a lot of other uh, uh, different um, public places, you know, they're either granted access or not based on how they answer those questions. And I think those are also included in the USA Water Ski handout. There's a, a Appendix 1 that offers an Appendix 2 that offers um, those questions in terms of you know, obviously fever, flu, chills, um, shortness of breath, those types of things that are common COVID um, diagnosis, uh, excuse me, symptoms. Yeah, then teams are going to have to, you know, put those precautions in place. Uh, they're going to have to have those discussions. They're going to have to determine if they want to do temperature testing. Uh, they're going to have to determine what to do if someone on their team tests positive for COVID. Uh, and what that looks like, um, and, and and that there all of these things play a role. You know, if we were to put a kind of a bow on today and really kind of simplify what this is going to look like for show skiing, and maybe this is kind of putting it too simplistically, but uh, this is the way my brain is working as we kind of boil it down: is USA Water Ski is going to sanction events 
uh, as long as you follow your state and local guidelines. And what that really means for show skiing is that as long as social distancing is still required by your state, you can't have any contact with people. So our acts like pyramids and doubles and those things, even ballet lines where you're bracing are a no-go um, as long as social distancing is still required by your state. Uh, and it's so it's not until that point when social distancing is lifted and group size uh, is there's no limits on group size that we can return to show skiing as we know it. Now, prior to that, we can do individual type stuff where people are maintaining social distancing and it's one skier at a time. Those will be still sanctioned practices and even shows if you wanted to to do that, uh, as long as you're following your state guidelines. But for show skiers, it's going to be individual type stuff until social distancing and group sizes go away. And then we will be able to have contact and resume pyramids and and things that, uh, as we know it. Does does that kind of put a bow on things, um, Dave and Adam? Yeah, I mean that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I think it does, Matt. And and you know, again, everybody looks forward to the regionals and the national tournaments. And does that mean that you can't have a regional or national tournament while still observing social distancing guidelines? No, it doesn't mean that. You could theoretically still put thirteen acts out on the water, uh, as you pointed out more individual-based acts, but individual-based acts score just like, you know, um, team or contact acts like pyramids and ballet. You just have to do more of them. So there's still the opportunity to, um, if social distancing is still a requirement, uh, still be able to put on a, a tournament show. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Uh, let's, uh, I want to thank you guys for, for being on today. Uh, I want to encourage the listeners, if you guys have questions about this at all, um, and I know there will be questions, but make sure you read all the documents from USA Water Ski and the NSSA. Read the frequently asked questions. Study those. Understand those. Uh, if you have further questions, make sure you contact your regional representative. Uh, the list of the board of directors is on the USA Water Ski website, and you can get, uh, if you don't know who your regional rep is, make sure you contact them. Reach out with questions. Uh, feel free to hit us up. Dave and I are both uh, elite athlete reps on the board of directors for NSSA. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out with questions. But we know this is going to be an interesting time going forward. Uh, we're excited that uh, USA Water Ski is going to be sanctioning events. And and maybe, just maybe, we're going to have some show skiing on the water this summer. So thank you, gentlemen, for being a part of this. Thanks, Dave, for joining us. Will you come back again sometime? Yeah, this uh, hopefully um, a little bit more uh uh, fun topics to discuss, but uh, this was a blast. Thanks for including me. Yeah, Dave, Dave, Matt, thank you for allowing me to participate. And <laughs> uh, just remember, people, uh, for the love of Christmas, if you're sick, don't go to practice. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. it. Well, thank you all. I want to thank our sponsor today, The Board Shop. Visit bswake.com, get all your summer gear, use the discount code The Ski Show. And you get 20% off your order. Thank you, everybody. And uh, listen in next time for the next episode of The Ski Show. Thank you for listening to The Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast with Matt and Adam. We're the only show specifically dedicated to all things show ski. If you have feedback or ideas for future shows, hit us up on social media or email us at theskishowpodcast at gmail.com.